line as we close it out tonight. Only in three weeks. I don't know if that's a record for a psalm or not, but we're there. Uh, so for now back there is Differing Ideologies, Part 3. All right. Um, simply by way of introduction, so what is, on, what is an ideology? Or why do I use this word in dealing with Psalm 59? Well, ideology is a system or a manner or content of thinking characteristics of an individual, uh, of a group, or of a culture. So when people tell me that they're going to be dating someone from a different culture, I warn them ahead of time. I said they, they operate under a different ideology. There may be some similarities, but overall there are differences uh, for sure. Now, for the redeemed of the Lord, the manner or content of our thinking as an individual or a group is directed and guided by the Word of God. If it's not, it should be. We can solve every and any problem by getting with God, getting in the Word of God, and finding solutions or examples along the way. Now, in God's Word, we find access to divine wisdom. The world doesn't have that. In God's Word, we find access to divine knowledge, which the world does not have. And unfortunately, I don't believe a lot of believers tap into that divine wisdom or that divine knowledge. Now, for the unsaved, all they have in the manner or content of their thinking is a limited to a to earthly wisdom, worldly knowledge, driven by a desire to find answers aside from God and his word. Man was not satisfied with in the beginning God. They said that can't be because we don't believe there is a God. Well, they can they not believe whatever they want to not believe. doesn't make it not so. So, hence, we have evolution instead of Genesis 1-1 being propagated in our schools. Now, back in the early founding of the colonies, they used to have an alphabet that was pretty much predicated on the Word of God. They called it a, a primer or a primer or primer. I think it was called a primer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, A is for Adam. <laughs> G is for God. Uh, so you go through there, and the idea was to keep everybody focused on a, on a biblical concept that there is a God and that we owe God our allegiances as well as our love. So in God's word, we have, we have access to divine knowledge. So anyway, uh, hence we have evolution instead of Genesis 1-1. Hence we have so much ignorance and willful, sinful solutions to life's issues that only God can provide. God has these answers. So these young people who are feeling like they're born in the wrong body, well then, if you had a, a, a mom and a dad who were as smart as they think they are, and they could tap into divine wisdom and divine knowledge. They could lead their children into a, into a reality that you, this will pass because God has made you and God has created you what you are. And uh, so we have the sinner's response to marriage. Let's live together. Let's see how it's going to work out first and foremost. We have the sinner's response to Genesis 1, through 28, where... God created one man and one woman, gave them to each other, 
And that's what he intended for it to be. Not Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve. So gender doesn't matter in the world today. Love is what matters. Neither two males nor two females can replenish, and that's what God commanded them to do, to replenish the earth. In other words, bring forth children. Children who are going to worship. Children who are going to serve me. Uh, the Lord God. And so, um, there's no way that two men can come together. Now they can adopt, but they're not being fruitful. Being fruitful is the idea that, two, that a man and a woman come together and they have children and they populate the earth and we raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they also will raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they will love the Lord their God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, and we'll be back here to some. But when you're looking and talking about ideologies, we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 reveals why the world's ideology is different than a believer's. Now it says there, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. A lot of what's going on in the world today with this dysphoria and uh, the surgeries and all this other, I mean, really absolute idiocy that is uh, transpiring out there is because they don't want it to have anything to do with God whatsoever. They think they've got a better idea how to handle problems. And so uh, they have no spiritual discernment. They have no spiritual discernment whatsoever. But for you and I, that's a different story. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, in verse 15, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we can see things differently. We see things as God sees things. So we function under God's ideology. The world functions under Satan's ideology. And that's it. He's the author of the world, the ideology. God is the author of our ideology. And so we are in a battle of ideologies. And have been since Adam and Eve sinned in one of, the, uh, in, in, in one of uh, today's tactics. Oh, I'm trying to think what I was going to say there. In one of two. Hmm. In one of today's comma tactics. Boy, I'm having have all kinds of problems with my commas today, I'll tell you that. Uh, one of today's tactics of the unsaved is to intimidate anyone and everyone who follows the ideology of God. Now, there's even some people out there who I believe that are not saved. They're conservative in their thinking. And they can understand the wrongness because at some point in their lives, they've had exposure to the Word of God. They've had exposure to some form of godly teaching. Now, whether it was as fundamental as we would like it to be, at least there's some sort of foundation because if you listen to them long enough, uh, you begin to see that, that that begins to stand out. And so... Anyone who refuses to buy into their worldly, godless, rebellious ideology, they're going to intimidate. Now, I know that uh, Harvard uh, has been on the news a little bit lately here. Harvard University, one of the Ivory League colleges, has been ranked the absolute worst in restricting free speech, whether it's among their staff or among the students. They were ranked of all the colleges as the worst now, those people are going to come out of those colleges practicing the very garbage they learned in those big universities where they paid thousands and thousands of dollars to come out to be nothing more than just stupid. So people are being silenced to any opposition 
any opposition speech by physical threats, loss of jobs, harassment, etc. In fact, one who was uh, told to be silent on the campus there was basically threatened whether they would keep their job for having posted a post that was contrary to what Harvard, uh, Harvard's ideology was. So in Psalm 59, David is laying out tactics of the wicked who rise up against those who are doing what is right. It is always right to do right, regardless of who's standing in front of you, yelling at you or screaming at you or pointing fingers at you or threatening you. It is always right to do right because God is always on the side of the individual who does right. So we have seen thus far that they intimidate by confrontation. They love to get in your face. They intimidate by threatenings. Uh, those who are in positions of authority love to intimidate those under under them. They intimidate those who, who uh, choose to do the thing that's right because you can't, that can't stand. You doing what is right by God, you can't, you can't stand because someone might, might actually agree with you and not with them. And they intimidate by playing mind games along the way. And so tonight as we look at the uh, fifth one, uh, they will try to intimidate us by spreading lies and rumors about it. 59, 12. Uh, the Bible says, Therefore, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. And so, folks, we always have to be careful about believing the worst about people. Amen? If it will help us to look better, if it will make us to look better, then we're going to listen. <laughs> But that's not the point. It's not about how much how, better, how much better you looked in, in, in the light of someone else. The reality is that we've got to stop believing the rumors, possibly the lies, of the worst of the worst. Now, if you if you can see it firsthand, you don't have to spread it. You don't have to talk about it. You just say, yep, that person's got a problem. Uh, you don't have to look at very many newsreels to begin to realize that we got problems in Washington, D.C., all right? Uh, and, uh, but we don't have to run around boasting and bragging about how much better we are than what, what was going on down there for sure. But we know that we need change, and we need uh, good change. We need godly change down there, that's for sure. But be careful about your neighbors and about your friends, maybe about family members, or, or maybe it's another church uh, that someone might be spreading rumors about. And the truth of the matter is, uh, just don't be part of that process. Saul, Saul's weakness in relation to David was his willingness to believe the worst about David. And of course, if that would make someone look better in Saul's eyes, and they would lie and spread rumors about David so that they themselves would look good in the eyes of King Saul, and it would infuriate Saul even that much more. But also, I guess they figured they could find some way that they would engrandize them to the king. So, though the Bible was clear in 1 Samuel chapter, we can just turn every quickly to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. I'm going to be looking at a couple verses here. Chapter 18 and verse 5. Now, this is God's witness. The Holy Spirit made sure that we, we would know this. Okay, 17 is long chapter. In 18 and verse 5, the Bible says there, and Jonathan's, that's not where I wanted to be. Yeah, verse 5, yep. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and did what? Behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Jumping down to verse 15, once again we see there, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of David. And so God gives us a testimony. So we don't have to try to figure out and believe any kind of rumors or any lies that might have been spread about David by somebody else historically. We can come to the word of God, and God has reserved for us that David behaved himself wisely. And so 
we see here that there were those who saw lies and rumors, uh, who sowed lies and rumors concerning David as an opportunity to aggrandize themselves or advance their positions with King Saul. And usually when people are spreading rumors and people are spreading lies, it's because they want to advance it themselves, they want to advance their agenda, uh, make themselves look good in the eyes of someone else, for sure. So the wicked always have a personal agenda uh, in which they desire to advance themselves at the expense of tearing others down. And as a redeemed of the Lord, we have no business spreading lies, telling stories, advancing rumors, or telling gossip, or listening to gossip. Now, you say, well, I didn't tell it. I just listened to it. Well, that's, <laughs> that's an encouragement. You, you gave someone an opportunity and ear to listen to. And, it, and is, uh, there are some people uh, who they love to spread rumors. They don't really care if what they're saying is true or not. It's just something that they heard and they want to share it with everybody else. So we are not to be a part of that business, have no business spreading lies, telling stories, uh, advancing rumors. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20 says, uh, uh, where no wood is, what happens? The fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. So you don't listen, and if you don't know, then you can't spread it. So the best thing to say is, I just soon not know. I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, therefore, I'm not going to be a part of this business of trying to tear someone down to build someone else up. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 28 says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth friends. A tailbearer, a whisperer. Someone who tattles and tells on other people along the way. Uh, so David, like so many, uh, became heartbroken when others saw false rumors and lies. They, when they sowed uh, uh, false rumors and lies. So even if something might be so, don't promote it by rumors. Because you may not have the whole story. And you may only have, you know, a half-truth is still a half-lie. Or still, I should say, still a lie, not a, not a half-lie. So we can't come up to say, oh, well, I think this is true. You say, well, either you know it's true or you don't know. And even if it is, I don't want to hear it anyway. So put some on notice that you're not going to be one of those individuals that are going to get your ear, bend your ear, so that they can come out somehow make themselves appear like they're in the know and they're really important about whatever it is that they think they're important about. So rumors tend to distort the facts, amen? Rumors always tend to distort the facts, and lies definitely distort the facts. So don't follow in the way of the wicked either way. So what are we to do when we're being intimidated, bullied, threatened, and lied about? Well, that brings us to the last couple of verses. Verses 16 and 17. Paul says, but I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing for God in my defense and the God of my mercy. Now, he didn't say you had to sing party. He didn't say you had to sing on key. He didn't even say you had to sing loud. But, you know, you can whistle, you can sing. Sing to yourself when you're in the car, windows rolled up. People may think you're a little, but that's okay. You just put a sign on there, hold it up to you, I'm singing to the Lord. So how to best handle it when we're being intimidated? Verse number one of, of uh, Psalm 59. Deliver me from mine enemies. Oh my God, defend me from them that rise up against me. So minimize your enemies. Don't go out of your way to make enemies. For us, we are to stand strong for the Lord. 
We can state our mind, and people are stating their minds, you can state your mind. But the truth of the matter is, minimize your enemies by turning them into friends. Through prayer, and through witnessing, and eventually, the Lord willing, by salvation, they could become your friends. So, prayer and witnessing, or simply avoid them altogether. It doesn't take us very long to know who the, the troublemakers are, who the liars are, and who the rumored, uh, uh, those who, what's the word I want to use, this word? Rumor bearers. There we go, rumor bearers. That's what I'm looking for. So in verse 3, we see in Psalm 29, uh, 59, I'm sorry. In verse 3, it says, For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me. Not for my transgressions, nor for my sin, O Lord. So make sure that we aren't deserving of their hatred, or deserving of their rumors, or deserving of their lies. Let's make sure that our walk is an impeccable walk. Who do we know in the Bible that certain individuals tried to find an occasion against him? but couldn't find any. The man Daniel. And they said, we're going to have to find it in his religion. He was, even though he was in a pagan land, serving a pagan king, given a completely different name than his Hebrew name, he still walked with God. And he was an upright man, even in a pagan world, in a pagan environment. And those who were looking for an occasion to get him out of the picture couldn't find any. And so they brought together and snookered King um, Darius. And King Darius, through pride, was snookered until it was revealed what their motives were. Well, ultimately, we know they paid the price. But wouldn't it be nice if they could not find any fault in us by which to accuse us? Now, they can make it up. They can lie about it. They did that to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They made up stories. They made up lies. And they had no want of people to, to spread the lies. But at least, you know, between yourself and the Lord, you've done what was right. You've been living the right life. You've been walking with him. You've been faithful all the way. So make sure that we aren't deserving of their hatred. Follow the Lord. Live upright. Live a life that pleases the Lord. And then, of course, now in verse 8, which will be our third one here tonight, verse 8. But thou, O Lord, shall laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. Guard our spirits. We need to guard our spirits with reminding ourselves that God has our back. Amen? We may find ourselves because God places us in certain circumstances, but that doesn't mean that we have to bail on God. We have to realize that if we're there, it's because God allowed that. And that he has our back and he's going to see us. Did God not have Daniel's back? I mean, it didn't look good. I mean, uh, he ended up in the lion's den nonetheless. Now, I can imagine he might have said, okay, Lord, now where are you? <laughs> where are you? I mean, every step to the, to, the, to the den of lions. Hmm. So let's just guard our spirits and not falter and faint and realize that, that God does indeed have our back. Then in verse 9, this is that count to 10. Go outside, punch a tree, or find a punching bag that's not your spouse. So verse 9 says, Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my what? 
my defense. So count to ten. Bite your tongue. Do not strike back. Not a tit for tat. It is never easy, but it does de-escalate the situation. That's one of the things in conflict resolution, especially in marriage counseling, that you say, you know what? If you respond to him because you feel you have a right to respond to them, you just escalate. And the Bible says that if you will just say nothing, then that individual, they may just blow a little more steam, but if they don't have anything to respond to, what are they going to do? You take the wind out of their sail. And so remember, our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they're operating under an ideology of principalities of darkness. And so sometimes nothing said is better than saying something. So verses 16 and 17. And it says, But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. So always, always act with the knowledge that there is a God in heaven who is more powerful and more aware of where it's all going to go. Remember Paul and Silas preaching the gospel were whipped to within an inch of their life. In Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 39, you can read the account there where they were, they were beaten, placed, probably comatose to some degree from the kind of beatings they take, locked in stocks, but the Bible says at midnight they began to sing. They could have mumbled, they could have groaned, they could have moaned, they could have said, boy, this is it, we're out of here, we're going back home. But they didn't. The Bible says that they sang and they sang hymns and psalms. And guess who heard that? All the other prisoners heard that, thinking to themselves, what's with these guys? And then there was an earthquake. And Paul and Silas and all the others were loosed. And the Philippian jailer came in and he was going to commit suicide. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. He had a chance to witness to the Philippian jailer and his entire house came to a saving knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul could never have known where that beating was going to lead to. And he could have gotten all down in the mouth on God, but he chose to sing songs and hymns, which made it possible for God to be able to work through them to the prisoners and to the Philippian jailer's family. Now, Psalm 98 and verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. So know who the enemy is. Don't be intimidated by them. Know who God is and trust in him always to give you the right thing to say in the right way at the right time so that they may actually in the end fear you and not you fear them. That does it for Psalm 59. And we're moving on to Psalm 60, which I think is going to be a unique one in itself as well. I think we'll enjoy Psalm 60. So, we've got a prayer card and uh, correct the spellings on there. Put an E for Carrie and uh, take the E out of Lucy and uh, uh, mark down on there uh, Lena, L-E-N-A. 
Palmaville for a recurrence of cancer. Uh, biopsy coming up tomorrow. Um, I'm sure she would appreciate as much she'd appreciate as much prayer as she could possibly get for sure. And then can, you can add uh, Madison Rafa, expecting sometime probably in the spring, I would imagine. Yeah, it could be uh, late spring, somewhere around that time. So, and I think that's the only additions we have there. Um, it's good to know that Michelle and Henry made it safely, in spite of uh, his uh, hip problem. One way. Any other additions that we need to know about here tonight? If not, um, all right. Well, we're we're hurting for certain here tonight when it comes to guys, uh, for uh, for sure. Um, how about you girls in the back? We're gonna start in the back this time. Take group number one. And uh, Diane, you want to join them back there? In the back. You can join those girls back there. Okay. Um, you other three girls, ladies. Hey, listen, you, listen, we are eternal. So I can call you girls. Because you haven't reached your, uh, your optimum age yet. How about if you take group number two? And Chris and Peg, if you want to get together and pray for um, missionaries, of the, uh, let me actually know. Let me give you uh, pregnancies. Clark and Isabel, spiritual needs and growth. Now, other than Steve, myself, did we lose anybody? Jack, you know, I got Chris. I got Chris um, Parker and Peg. Huh? I know. Now I've got to get Jack. So Jack's going to join you and I. And we're going to handle everything that nobody else got. Which usually means uh, salvation, missionaries a month. I did get a call from, uh, I did, I know, I called Brother Belasco today. And I'll, I'll give you a heads up on that. I had an idea of two things, he was, well, at least one thing that he was looking for. And that was they want to be able to finish their building for an October 28th, 20, somewhere toward the end of October for a dedication. And I guess he's inviting all the all the pastors and the church wants to go, they go to, if they can pay for it, uh, go there for the dedication. And I told him, I said, brother, I just I just got off a trip to Israel and I am not going anywhere. That keeps me in a plane more than two minutes, if I can help. And I said, that was not the, the best experience of my life. And I didn't go into it real deep in that point there, but I said, uh, I would present it before the church and see what we could do out of missions, if we could send them a little, a little extra help, help them get over that hurdle to get to all that. Uh, that uh, I think it's the electronic aspect of it is what they need to get finished. In fact, he was working on some of that even today when I called him. He had to go down off the ladder and talk to me on the phone uh, for a little bit there. But uh, he'd be thinking about uh, what we can do out, of, uh, do out of a missions program where you might want to contribute a little something extra to, to that as well. We can do that. But I told him we'd get back to him uh, as soon as I could on that on that issue. Maybe even this Sunday. I'll mention it Sunday morning, um, and see how things go from there. So pray for them as they get ready for their dedication of their building. And I'm sure there's going to be quite a few preachers that will come from the states who don't mind traveling, the economy class, and all scrunched up in an eggshell or whatever it is that they do. So, okay. None of the others that will break up in our groups. Then we go back there with Jack. <laughs> 